Ancient Egypt, The Light of the World. Book 7, Egyptian Wisdom and the Hebrew Genesis. By Gerald Massey. Read by Graham Dunlop. Edited by Darren Grimes. Amenta, in one aspect, was the world of the dead, the kasu, or burial place in the Osirian cult. In this, it was claimed to be the great resting place of Osiris, the mummy god, which it became. But it had been created by Ta for his son Atum, before the Osirian dynasty was founded at Abydos. It was the way of the Egyptians to put all they knew into all they did in bringing on and aggregating their wisdom of the past. Thus, the circumpolar paradise is repeated in the earthly paradise of Amenta. The stellar mount of the glory in the north was reproduced as solar in the east. The heptonomy, with its seven entrances, the 28 lunar stations, 14 in the upper and 14 in the lower hemisphere, the house of Osiris with its 36 gates, various stars and constellations known on high, such as Orion, Sothis, and Polaris, were repeated as the guiding stars in this firmament of the lower earth to which the looks of the manis were directed in death. Amongst other reproductions in Amenta, we find the Aru Garden, the abyss of the nun as the womb of earth, the tree or edible plants in the water of the abyss, the dragon of drought or the serpent of darkness, the old first mother, the warring twins, Sut and Horus, the company of seven elemental powers, the lower firmament, the two pillars of Sut and Horus erected in tattoo, the house of eternity, Tot, the bearer of the lunar light, the Sabao, or powers of darkness, fog, mist, cloud, plague, storm, and eclipse. All of which were pre-extent before Amenta had been made by Ta. The primary group of seven elemental powers was succeeded by the eight great gods, and the eight by the put circle of nine. Ta was then considered to be the one supreme god, begotten by his own becoming, the maker of all things, who himself was not made. The eight were looked upon as his children. The nine formed the put circle or cycle of Ta, who are equivalent to the Elohim of Genesis. In this connection, we may note that number nine was the full Egyptian plural. The word for nine is put, and puta or Ta is of a ninefold nature. Ta was indeed the full Egyptian plural as a group or put of powers that were combined in a supreme self-originating force, whose mode was of becoming was transforming from the elemental power or powers through the human into the divine. As creators, Ta and his company of artisans did not originate in that which had no previous existence. They were the transformers of that which had been always as elemental in matter. The element of earth was pre-extant, likewise the power that brought forth life from the earth and water. This power operated by transformation, and one of its types was the serpent of Ranut, a form of the mother earth, which was a type of transformation because it periodically sloughed its skin and renewed itself. The element of water was pre-extant, also the power that transformed in the water to bring forth life and food. This transforming power in the water was objectified by the tadpole visibly turning into the frog. It was the same all nature through. The creators were the formers and transformers as unseen forces operating in the physical domain. 
with each one traceable to an elemental origin. First, the elements themselves. Next, the elemental forces or self-originators in two categories, the baleful and the beneficent. Then the goddesses and gods that were portrayed totemically and afterwards personalized as divinities in the human likeness. Ta was the divine artisan. In his time, the masons, builders, potters, blacksmiths were at work, each in their companionship or brotherhood, as they are seen, hard at it when the workers in their valley of the Nile come into view. He is especially called the father of beginnings. He was the former in the likeness of the scarabaeus, the transformer in the image of a frog. And as the embryo in utero, Ta exhibits the earliest attempt at imposing the human likeness upon the shaping power that was previously imaged by means of the typical insect or symbolical animal, as in totemism. There is a group of primeval powers described in later times who are said to be the first company of the gods of Aru, or the fields of heaven. They are dressed as the mighty ones, the beneficent ones, the divine ones, who test by their level the words of men as the lords of law, justice, and right, or as the lords of Mat. They are saluted in these words, Hail to you, ye gods, ye associate gods, who are without body, ye who rule that which is born from the earth, and that which is produced in the house of your cradles, ye prototypes of the image of all that exists, ye forms, ye great ones, ye mighty ones, first company of the gods of Aru who generated men and shaped the type of every form, ye lords of all things. Hail to you, ye lords of everlasting. In this text, the Aru is celestial, not the Aru in Amenta, but the Aru of the fields above, of which the goddess Apt is said to have been the mother, as the bringer forth, of the seven primeval powers in their stellar character. As lords of Mat, they are identical with the seven lords of rule or divine governors who are called the arms of the balance on the night when the eye is fixed. This first company of the gods in the fields of heaven were the Ali or Ari, as in the seven Kabari, by name, and the Ali are a group of companions who are herein set forth as co-creators of all that exists in heaven or in earth. The primordial nature powers are mentioned under several types and names. They are the seven Uraeus gods, born of Mother Earth as non-sentient elemental powers. They are the seven Khus, or glorious ones, whose place in heaven was appointed by Anup on the day of Come Thou to Me. They are the seven who assist the great judge in the math at the pole on the night of the judgment day, called the seven arms of the balance as executioners of the guilty who accomplish the slaughter in the tank of flame when the condemned are exterminated. They are the seven wise masters of arts and sciences who assisted Tot in his measurements of earth and heaven. In the solar mythos, they are to be seen in several characters with Horus, Ta and Ra. They were portrayed as the seven with Horus and the eight great stars of Orion. They are the seven souls of Ra also the seven divine ancestors in the boat of the sun, the seven who support Osiris in Amenta. In whichever phase of phenomena, they are a group, a brotherhood, a companionship of powers originally seven in number. It is now proposed to identify this first company of creators who pass through these several phases in the Egyptian mythos as seven elementals. 
seven with the ancient Genetrix, seven with Anup, seven with Tot, seven with Horus, seven with Ta, as the group of companions called the Elohim in the Hebrew Genesis, who were known to the Gnostics and Kabbalists as seven in number, with Ildeboath, a form of Sut, at their head. The word Elohim in Hebrew is employed both as a singular and a plural noun for God and gods, or spirits, with no known origin and phenomena by which the plurality could be explained. For this we must consult the Egyptian wisdom and the mythos which preceded the eschatology. In the dispatches from Palestine, there is a perfect parallel to the twofold use of Elohim in the plural and singular forms employed in the Hebrew book. The scribe addresses the Egyptian pharaoh, says, To the king, my lord, my gods, my sun god. Here the gods were the powers gathered into the one god as supreme. These, when sevenfold, were called the souls of Ra. They become the eight in the paradise of Am-Kamen. They are nine in the put cycle of Ta. They were ten as the Sephiroth of the Kabbalists. They are twelve in the final heaven of Atum-Ra. In a word, they are the Elohim as a form of the Egyptian Ali or Ari, a companionship of workers and later creators. In the beginning, Elohim created the heaven and the earth. The astronomical mythology of Egypt from the time of Sut to that of Ta is involved in that brief statement. They are at least three different groups of the Elohim. That is the Ali or Li with the plural ending of the name as Semitic. The first group of these creators was seven in number, with Sut at their head. The second was that of the eight in Am-Kamen, with Anup added to the seven. The third is the company of Ta, who formed the put circle of the nine. These preceded Atum, who was Ra in his first sovereignty. And to show how the past of Egypt opens into immensity, Ta is credited with being the supreme ruler for 9,000 years. Still earlier, the followers of Horus reigned for 14,000 years, and as the astronomical legends show, the primary seven creators have previously marked out one great year in the cycle of precession before they could become those lords of eternity at the North Celestial Pole, which were represented by a group of seven stars that never set. Under the title of Elohim, both the one God and the company of gods are present, though concealed, just as Ta and his associates, the Ali, were included in the Put cycle, as Ta the God, Ayu the son of God, and the Puat as the group of gods. And if the Put cycle of the Ali, as now maintained, are the originals of the Phoenician and Hebrew Elohim, it follows that the deity Ta is the one god of the group in the Genesis as well as in the original mythos. Although the name of Ta may not be given, yet the creator as the worker in earth, the potter, a molder, or carver, is plainly apparent in the Hebrew Genesis. Also, it may be parenthetically remarked that the Hebrew word Puth, or Peth, for the opening is identical with Put, in Egyptian to open and the ta, or puta, was named for this root as the opener, whether as opener of the nether earth for the sun to pass through, or for the resurrection of the manis from Amenta in the coming forth today. Moreover, there is a biblical name, that of Puthahiah, which is apparently proclaims the fact that Aya is the opener, or that he is identical with the ta. 
The same root enters into the name of Pethuel, which is equivalent to Patel, or the divine opener, who was the Egyptian god Ta. In the Egyptian divine dynasties, Ta is the god, the father, in one character, and Ayu, the son, in the other. In the person of Ayu, he is the youthful deity who rises from the dead, both as the sun god and the soul, which was imaged for the resurrection in the form of a sahu mummy, risen with the solar hawk for its head, as symbol of the soul issuing from the body of Keeper Ta. Ayu in the character of the sun is also representative of the put cycle, that is, of the Elohim or company of the creators. Thus, the Elohim are represented in the first creation of man by the maker, equals Ta, and in the second by Ayu, the son of Ta, and Ayu, the son of Ta, is equivalent to Ayu Elohim, who becomes the creator of the second Adam in the second chapter of the Hebrew Genesis. In the first of two creations, Ta and the Ali, who are his associate gods, the Ali or Elohim, are the creators of Atum, the Hebrew Adam, who in the first phase was created male and female, man and woman in one. The associate gods or Elohim are said to become the lips, the teeth, the joints, the hands of Atum, the son of Ta. In another version, they are the seven souls of man. In the second creation, it is Atum and his associate gods who are the creators of man, the same as Ayu Elohim in the Genesis. The parallel is perfect. Only in the Hebrew rendering, the Gnosis is omitted. Still, there are two Adams, man the mortal on earth and man the manis in Amenta. It is the present writer's contention that the Elohim in the plural are the Ali, or associate gods of Ta, and that Ahu Elohim is the deity Ayu, who was a form of Ta, as God the Son, and who afterwards became the Father God in Israel under the name of Ayu or Jehovah, Ayu or Ayuem Hetep. He who comes with peace is the Kamite original of the promised Prince of Peace whose coming was periodic and aeonian forever and ever, or from generation to generation. The writer further maintains that the creation in the first chapter answers to the creation of Kaperta and his Ali, that the creation of Ahu in the second chapter is identical with that of Ayu or Atum and his associate gods, and that the garden in Eden is the Aru garden which Ta and his Ali or Elohim created for Atum, the sun to cultivate as the earthly paradise in Amenta. Thus, the two different creations in the first two chapters of Genesis are in their proper order. In the first, the heaven and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. Man, or Adam, also was made. All through this chapter, the creators are the associate gods, the Egyptian Ali, the Phoenician Elohim. In the second chapter, one of the Elohim is individualized by name as Ayu, or Ayu Elohim, translated the Lord God, which might be rendered the god Ayu, Ayu M. Hetep. After the Elohim had finished their work, it is said in the second chapter of Genesis that Ayu Elohim now made the earth and heaven which had already been assigned to the Elohim as makers in the previous chapter. This also may be explained by the Egyptian mythos. Ta, the creator and father of the Ali, or Elohim, 
was one with Ayu in the person of the son. Ta, the speaker for the group in the first chapter, is the father, and Ayu in the second chapter is the same one God continued as the son. Ayu, Ayusa, or Ayu M. Hetep. Thus, the dual character of Ta Ayu was continued in Atumayu as the divine father and son. Also, there are two Atums corresponding to the two types of Adam one human, one divine. One was the Atum who died, equals the Adam in whom all men die, as Paul expresses the doctrine. The other is the second Atum, called Nifer Atum or Ayu the Son, who rose again to change the earthly into the heavenly man, and whom the dead were to be made alive again in Amenta. As it was taught in Egypt some 10,000 years ago, in the Hebrew version, Atumayu had been divided and brought on in two characters, which really correspond to the two Adams, human and divine, the first Adam or man, who was of the earth, earthly, the second Adam or man, who is of heaven, heavenly, the life-giving spirit, who became Atum-Ra, the Holy Spirit, in the Kamite eschatology. More of the Genesis survived amongst the Kabbalists. Atum, at Anu, like Ta, at Memphis, was the one God in the two characters of Father and Son, the Eternal Father who was personalized in time as the ever-coming Son. The birth was periodic in the phenomena. Horus of the inundation on his papyrus came as the shoot, Ayu as the fish. Thus, to have any meaning, the coming son was the ever coming one as a type of the eternal. The title of Ta, as keeper, was the meaning of becoming. The name of the son Ayu signifies the coming one. This was he who came forever, first as manifester for the mother, the seed of the woman, and then as the representative of the father. In the cult of Ta, both characters of the father and son were combined in one god, and both were continued in Atum. Ayu, the bringer of peace, was God, the coming son, in both religions. The coming son, we repeat, was the ever-coming one. There was no advent once for all. Food and vegetation, water and light depended on continual repetition and renewal. This was a subject of the astronomical mythology in which the coming, according to time and season, had perennial fulfillment. The war of Horus, the sun with the serpent of darkness, was fought out nightly. His conflict with the dragon of drought was repeated annually. But in the Hebrew version, the coming has been relegated to the domain of prophecy. The savior or deliverer is to come to bruise the serpent's head once for all. And in this passing of mythology into the later eschatology, the ever-coming, was changed into the long expected. And as it turns out, never coming son of the Holy Spirit and a mother who was ever virgin. It was not the object of the adapters to be more explicit, but to all intents and purposes, the two characters of Atum, the father God, who was designated the father of mankind, and of Ayu, the son, have been reproduced in Genesis as Adam, the human father, and Ayu, Elohim, as the God. It is the making of Amenta by Ta and his associate gods that has been converted into a creation of the heaven and the earth in the book of Genesis. This is shown by the firmament that was suspended in the midst of the waters which were under the firmament and separated from the waters which were over the firmament. This is the firmament that was made by Ta when he divided the heaven of the nut 
below the heaven of nuts on high, and thus suspended a lower sky above the nether earth. But when the heaven and the earth were made, and the work was finished, the result was a world so unfurnished and unfit to live in that no plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up. No rain had fallen, and there was not a man to till the ground. This was in Amenta, the hidden earth that was opened by Ta for Tum, Atum, and his associate gods to cultivate. Now the impossibility of the Hebrew creation being cosmical is fixed forever, inasmuch as the heaven and earth are made twice over. In the second chapter there is a second creation of heaven and earth, and the first creation is followed by the making of a second man. The creation of the garden in the Egyptian mythos is a separate and subsequent creation from the calling of another earth into existence. The Menta was first made, and then the Aru garden was planted in Amenta. This twofold creation will account for the two Adams, the man of earth and the man from heaven, or man the mortal and man the manes. In the mythology, the first Atum was solar. In the eschatology, the second Atum is spiritual. The garden was made for the manes to cultivate, and the manes represents the second Adam, who as Egyptian is Nefer Atum, or Atum in spirit, otherwise man the manes in the garden of Amenta. In the book of Genesis, there are six creations or acts of creation, set forth as the work of six days or periods. One, the light was divided from the darkness, and there was evening and morning. One day, Two, the firmamental water was divided into upper and lower, and there was a second day. Three, the waters were gathered into one place for the dry land to appear. The earth put forth grass and herbs and trees, and there was a third day. The lights were set in the firmament for signs and seasons, and there was a fourth day. Five, the creatures of the waters were brought forth, and the fowls of the air, and there was a fifth day. Six, the earth brought forth the living creatures after their kind, including man, and there was a sixth day. Then, in the moralizing of the mythos, the work of creation being ended on the sixth day, the seventh is to be solemnized as a day of rest. In the course of literalizing the pre-extant mythos, it is said that when Elohim finished his work, he rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had made. And Elohim blessed the seventh day, and hallowed it, because that in it he rested from all his work which Elohim had created and made. So in the book of Amenta, it is said that the nether earth was created by the solar god, who rested in that which he had made, just as Ta was satisfied after making all things, and all the divine names, when like the Elohim he had finished the work and saw that it was good. There is no great difficulty in discovering the origin of the day of rest, which has been ascribed to the Elohim upon the seventh day of creation. Amenta was created as the place of rest for the sleeping dead, and also for the god of the resting heart. It had been the work of Ta and his associate gods to create the great resting place in the underworld. And consequently, this character of Ta as the maker of Amenta is determined by his designation of Ta in the great resting place. This great resting place was created for the god who rested there, as did Atum and later Osiris of the resting heart. 
This was the work which the creator or craftsman taught completed in seven stages or periods that were ultimately reduced to seven days. The mount called Hetep in the earthly paradise is named as the Mount of Rest. It was a kind of rest and be thankful, halfway up the ascent from the world of the dead to the summit of the Mount of Glory. The word Hetep has the various meanings of rest, peace, plenty, all of which were to be realized in Hetep. The garden of the blessed dead. The great object is to take possession there. The Manis says, I am united there with the God of rest. That is, with Osiris, God of the resting heart. I take my rest in the divine domain. There is given to me the plenty which belongeth to the cow and the glorified. Rise in Hetep, the mount, blessed with the breezes. I arrive in thee, my head is uncovered. I am in my own domain. One of the blissful islands of this earthly paradise is expressly called the Isle of Rest, or Hetep. The voyager makes fast his bark to the block of moorage on the stream, and utters his praises to the gods who are in the Garden of Rest. The Garden of Amenta was a place of rest in the refreshing shade of Hathor's tree. It was called the Garden of Hetep. The word Hetep is also spelled Hept. In fact, to judge from the hieroglyphical inscriptions of the Pyramid of Medum, it seems that this was the earliest spelling of the word. Thus, Amenhetep would be Amenhept. Now, Hept in Egyptian also signifies the number seven. This may be related to the work of creation in seven days, which according to the non-biblical Jewish legends represented the earthly paradise in seven divisions, as a figure of the celestial heptonomy the work in seven parts being computed as a work of seven days, and Hept, the place of rest, transformed into the seventh day of rest. In the later Semitic Marchen, Assyrian and Hebrew, a division in time has been substituted for the division in space. That is, the seven divisions of the astronomical heptonomy have been converted into the creation of seven days, and a great day of rest has been substituted for the great resting place. We can perceive the Semitic Sabbath in the making and also where it was made. In the elder version of the Assyrian legend of creation, there was no Sabbath. The seventh day is a day of labor, not a day of rest. But whatsoever was signified by the seven successive divisions, acts, stages, or periods of creation that were ultimately commemorated by the festival of the seventh day. The Semitic Sabbath belongs to the superstructure, not to the foundation and is not original, either as Hebrew or Assyrian. Time did not begin with Sunday, either as the first or the seventh day of the week. The week was preceded by the month or moon, and a moon by the year of the inundation that was commemorated by the festival of the great bear's tail. In the Chaldean account of creation, there is a hint of the solar origin of the Sabbath. In this it is said of the Creator, on the seventh day he appointed a holy day, and to seize from all business he commanded. Then arose the sun on the horizon of heaven. The day dedicated to the sun was Sunday, but the solar calendar was the latest. An indefinitely more ancient version than anything Semitic has been preserved in the Hawaiian legend of creation. This is said to have begun on the 26th day of the month, on the day of Cain, and continued during the days named Lono, Manli, Maku, Hilo, and Huaka. 
In six days the creation was completed, and the seventh day, the day of Ku, became the first holy day. The first and sixth of these seven days have been kept sacred ever since by all generations of Hawaiians. Yet the Polynesians generally did not solemnize a weekly Sabbath and had no week of seven days. More than once we meet with a sixth-day Sabbath in Africa. Dos Santos describes this sixth day of rest as being observed in the plowing season by the Monomatapa, which, according to Bent, is continued among them today. At Manguities, during the plowing season, they only work for five consecutive days. They observe the sixth and call it Mwali's Day and rest in their huts and drink beer. These days are feasts of the ancestral spirits or muzimos called the days of the holy ones who are already dead. A week of seven days, concluding with the Sabbath, which was at first a festival, is more expressly Semitic. Not that the Egyptians had no seven-day period in their reckonings of time. The Tanate was a period of seven days, as well as of fourteen days or a half-moon. But a cycle of seven days as the measure of a cosmogonical creation had no meaning. The seven periods of creation did not originate with seven days of twenty hours each. As will be seen, when all is put together, the Egyptians reckoned time upon a scale so vast that it included the great year of the world. That is, the heptonomy founded upon seven astronomes had been repeated in the great year with its seven periods in procession which were represented by the seven changing pole stars before the backward movement could have been calculated by the position of the equinoctial colour. The reduced scale of the Semitic seven days is but a one-inch-to-the-mile sort of rendering of the seven stages in procession, which have yet to be explained. The traditions show that one type of the underworld was the heptonomy, which had been mundane in Egypt and was made celestial in the astronomical mythology. This was likewise reproduced in the making of Amenta. Ta is said to have designed the gnomes. The gnomes were seven in number. The Nemu, who assisted Ta, were seven. The creations that culminated in man, the speaker, were seven. Also in one of the rabbinical traditions concerning the lower and upper, or the earthly and heavenly, paradise. It is said that before his fall, Adam was the heavenly dweller in a habitation which contained seven palaces or mansions. These, according to the Zohar, were afterwards rearranged to become the abodes of the blessed. This contains a fragment of the genuine legend when rightly interpreted. Adam is here considered to have been a dweller in the paradise of the celestial heptonomy. This was repeated in Amenta with the lower paradise of the solar mythos. It was mapped out in seven domains for Atum equals Adam as the land of promise destined for the glorified elect. It is related by Rabbi Manasseh, Ben Israel, that the souls of men were created during the six days of the beginning, independently of bodies like the first company of the Kamite gods. These were the spirits derived from the external elements that preceded the embodiment of a special soul in human form. True Israelites believe, says the rabbi, that all the souls which have existed from the first time, and which shall be to the end of the world, were generated in six days of creation. These are the six souls of the fish, the fowl, the beast, the reptile, and other forms of life, which preceded the seventh soul of the speaker, man, or atum, equals Adam. 
The seventh of the elemental powers in the human shape is described in the Gnostic systems of the Ophites and Sethians. When they teach that Ildeboath called upon the rest of the Elohim, saying, Come, let us make man after our own image. They also relate that Ildeboath, in the character of elder brother, as the would-be father, created six sons, he himself being the first person in the group. They further declare that those are the seven mundane demons who always oppose and resist the human race, because it was on their account that their father, Ildeboath, was cast down to this lower world. It is also represented in the rabbinical writings that the souls of the Israelites had a higher origin than the souls of the Gentiles. The souls of the Goyim, they say, have their origin from the external powers, the power of Klipoff, or the demons, whereas the souls of the Israelites are derived from the Holy Spirit. The first originated from the elemental powers that were imaged by the zootypes and were denounced as evil spirits by the later theology. As for Atum-Ra, the father of Vayu, he was the Kamite Holy Spirit. The souls of the idolaters were not called men, because they were born in the totemic stage of sociology and were derived from the spirits of the elements, which had been imaged by the zootypes. More simply stated, they were not yet men only because the mode of representation was pre-anthropomorphic and the soul of blood was not yet traced to the maternal source or the spirit of man to the father. In the Babylonian legends, the totemic zootypes which preceded the man derived from the soul of blood have been confused with the beings born of the abyss as the creatures of darkness. Then Belos, the sun god, came and the animals died, as they were not able to bear the light. Belos, seeing a vast space unoccupied, though by nature fruitful, commanded one of the gods to cut off his head and to mix the blood with the earth and from thence to form other men and animals which should be capable of bearing the light. This, in its way, is a mythical creation of the man who was made from the soul of blood. In another legend, a great destruction follows a rebellion called the Revolt in Heaven, which is only mentioned here for the sake of citing the statement that when the rebels were destroyed or driven out by the Supreme God, in their room he created mankind. As we understand the Gnosis, a group of six totemic powers was extant before the seventh. The soul of man was specialized as a human soul that was incarnated in the blood of the motherhood, the first soul, so to say, that could talk. This group of six zootypes with no human figure included is widely extended over the world. As the Arunta tells us, in the Alteringa, or Old Lang Sign, there were no men or women. Only pre-human creatures designated the Inipurta. In the Egyptian mythos, the six zootypes of Sat, Horus, Shu, Hapi, Tumatef, and Kabsenef are followed and completed by the human figure in Amsta, the man, or Horus, the child. The Arunta version comes fresh from an almost unknown world. It may have been carried there from Africa, but it is certain that the Egyptians did not derive their mysteries, mythical legends, and sign language from the natives of Central Australia. The tradition of the Inaporta only applied to certain totems, six in number. This will bear repeating. The preliminary pre-human creatures who were made into men and women by the Ungambicula belong to the six following totems, Akikya, or plum tree, Inguichika, or grass seed, Uchumpa, or large lizard, Urliwachera, 
or Little Lizard, Atnin Pirichina, or Alexandra Parakeet, and the Untenya, or Small Rat. Here are six totemic type of creatures that preceded the human voice and image. There were six groupings of elemental spirits based upon six elemental powers that were imaged by means of zootypes before ever an elemental power was imaged in the human likeness, or as it was rendered at a later time, before the creation of man. Who was seventh in a series of seven, or as the earliest human soul, Miss Kingsley gives it as the opinion of Dr. Nassau of Gaboon, that the nature spirits commonly affecting human affairs, which are believed in by the natives on the West Coast, can be classified fairly completely in six orders. The Damaras derive from six pre-human powers by means of six descents, or yundas. Six descents from superhuman powers would naturally follow for those who derive their descent from the powers, gods, or spirits that might be represented by six totemic zootypes, such as the serpent, crocodile, hippopotamus, lion, hawk, and other figures of the elemental forces that preceded the human image as a primitive type of power. Afterwards, the six powers would account for six different classes of spirits recognized in the animistic interpretation of external nature, according to religion in the fetishic phase. In India, there was a first form of the Aditya, six in number, who preceded the groups of seven and eight. There was also an Egyptian mystery of the six, which has not been unveiled. The seventh of the series is the soul that was first considered to be human because it was the soul of man speaker, which in this phase was discredited from the totemic souls by means of language. No distinction could have been more natural. Thank you for listening to this sample. To continue listening to this book and for access to all of our other full audiobooks, please subscribe for $7.77 per month. Go to adultbrain.ca or follow the link in the show notes. This will be a completely separate podcast with a new RSS feed and will have all the titles from this feed as well. Thank you for your help and support in bringing rare and forgotten books to audio for the world.